There's an old saying, I wonder if you've heard this old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Are you familiar with that old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? And it's a way of saying you can have the... You can have the the best of intentions, you can mean well, but it does no good if you're going to make bad choices or if you don't act on those good intentions. And I wonder if people really understand that saying today. We don't talk about hell like we used to. We don't bring hell up and it just doesn't seem to carry the weight. And I I wonder if that phrase, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, I don't know if it means anything. I'm proposing an alternative. And the alternative is this. The road to the buffet is paved with good intentions. You know what I mean? The the road to the buffet is paved with good intentions. I can go to a buffet with the best of intentions. I can go to the buffet with, with a clear goal and I can tell myself, you are not going to overeat. And you are not going to go near the bad stuff. You are only going to go for the good stuff. You're going to stay away from the fried stuff. You're going to eat a salad. You're going to do well. You're going to eat eat all the right things. And as soon as I get there, all bets are off. And I go near the carb portion, right? Where the the mashed potatoes are and the fried potatoes are and and the, the French fries and all those, and I just load up. If there's five different kinds, I'll take a little bit of everything. I'll try them all. And God forbid it's a breakfast buffet, right? Because they bring out the bacon at the breakfast buffet, and they can't put enough bacon on the table. I start off with the best of intentions, knowing what's good for me, knowing what I need, what I should eat, and then I get there and I make bad choices. I choose things that really aren't for me. I really need someone who will come along with me, or someone who stands there at the end of the buffet table, and when I reach for something I shouldn't have, I just need someone to slap me on the hand like that and say, that's not for you. Don't choose that. But whether we're at a buffet or not, or, that's a bad habit that a lot of us really have. We choose things that really aren't for us. We make a lot of choices. We choose a lot of things that aren't for us. Sometimes we choose bitterness in our lives. And bitterness is, is not for us. Sometimes we choose unforgiveness. And the Bible tells us that if you're a Christian, unforgiveness is not for you. The Bible's really clear that those things don't belong in the Christian life. There are other things that we choose, though, that that are not for us. Guilt is not for us. Shame is not for us. Inadequacy. Sometimes we just don't feel like we measure up, that we're worth anything. And those, those things are not for us. Fear. How many times does the Bible say Fear not, do not be afraid, and yet we choose fear. None of those things are for the Christian, and yet it's like life is this big buffet table in front of us, and we just keep choosing stuff that's not for us. So we're beginning this look at Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Now, I've explained before that Colossae was this little town uh, tucked between two bigger towns. It was a, a little church. There, out in the middle of this little town, we don't know a whole lot about Colossae other than it's just this tiny little place that a lot of people could just ignore. But Paul had this deep desire for the Colossians. His deep desire is that they truly understand who they are in Christ. In fact, you hear it from the very beginning. I want to begin in chapter 1, verse 3, as Paul welcomes, or as Paul uh, 
gives his introduction to the letter. He's already introduced himself. He is an apostle. He's, he's writing along with Timothy. Timothy's with him, and Timothy's helping him out. And he's writing to the saints and the faithful there in Christ at Colossae. And then he continues on in verse 3. And Paul says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Well, what has Paul heard about the Colossians? He's heard of their faith. He's heard of their love. And he's heard of their hope. Do those things sound familiar? Faith, love, and hope? Maybe you've heard those in a different order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, and these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I heard it out there. Yeah, love. Greatest of these is love. Those are the things that Christians ought to choose, right? When we go to the buffet table, we ought to choose faith, love, and hope. Those ought to be what mark our lives. Those are, what, those are the essentials of being a Christian. And so Paul, having heard of these things, it causes him to thank God for the Colossians and to pray for them. And then his prayer follows in verses 9-14. through 14. And in Paul's prayer, there are qualities that God has chosen for the Colossians and God has chosen for us as well. The problem is sometimes we don't see them in ourselves. And so what Paul is doing in his prayer is he's believing things about these Christians that they could not yet believe about themselves. And I understand that. I understand believing something for a Christian that they can't believe for themselves. In fact, if I was honest with you, and I should be, that's one of my biggest frustrations with, well, some of you. <laughs> you know, that one of my biggest frustrations for you is, is I wish you could see yourself the way God sees you. I wish you could see yourself the way that God sees you. And it is a huge frustration for me to see people constantly choosing things that Christ never chose for you. Things, in fact, that Christ has freed you from. I see Christians choosing to hold a grudge. I see Christians choosing anger. I see Christians choosing guilt. I see Christians choosing to see themselves as, a, as failures. I see Christians not choosing peace. I see Christians choosing all of these things that, that are not of Christ. And I kind of wish, wish I had my buffet table. And I kind of wish I had my guy there at the buffet table standing there next to you when you choose those things so he could slap your hand and say, that's not for you. I want us to be able to see that Paul's prayer needs to be our prayer also. It needs to be our prayer for ourselves, for our church, for who we're called to be in this little town. And I want you to notice that Paul doesn't begin his prayer with that slap on the wrist. He doesn't say, stop that. Instead, he begins where we need to begin. He begins with a change of mindset. He begins with a change that's up here. And that's where it really has to begin, right? It has to start up here with our mindset. It, choices begin in the mind. So Paul doesn't begin with, you know, you know what you should do. You, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. He starts internally. You need to know exactly who you are. You need to know exactly who Jesus has saved you to be. And so he begins his prayer in verse 9, and he says, and so from the day we heard, 
He's used that word heard a lot. Here's something you need to know about this church in Colossae. Paul had never been there. In fact, we don't have any record that Paul ever made it to Colossae. We're not sure that he ever made it. Outside of a few people that he lists in the church, he doesn't know the people in this church. He didn't plant this church. He's only heard that there are Christians in Colossae. And Paul, someone told him, hey, there's Christians in Colossae. And Paul says, that's great. I hope they know who they are in Christ. And so he writes to them. And beginning there in verse 9, he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want to bring my buffet table up one more time, and then I promise you I will not talk about buffets anymore. What's Paul's prayer? That they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Not just that they would sample a little bit of the knowledge of God's will. Not just that they would take a little taste of the knowledge of God's will and an understanding of of what God's will is for their lives, but that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That they would heap it on their plate until it is raised up high, until it is overflowing. That they would every portion of their being would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that they would know exactly who they are, that it would affect the things that that we desire for ourselves and the things that we desire for others. It would affect the way we see our purpose in this world. It would affect the plans that we make. And so you, like everybody else, is probably, you're probably wondering, well, what's, what is God's will? How do I know God's will? I mean, that's the big question, right? How do I know what the will of God is for me? I think we start here with this realization. When I choose the will of God, what am I not choosing? Right? When I choose the will of God, what is it that I am not choosing? Well, I'm not choosing to see myself as not good enough. I'm not choosing to see myself as not happy. I am not choosing bitterness. I'm not choosing to see myself as damaged or broken or as a failure. Now that's, that's important for you and I to understand whether we're talking about us as individuals. But I also want you to realize that's important for us to understand as a church. It's easy for us to say we're a little church in a little town. I mean, that's what the Colossians could have said, right? That we're just a small church in a small town. So we're the Colossians. And We've got to lose that attitude. We've got to lose that mentality that we're just a small church in a small town. We have small offerings. We have small people. uh, We have small gifts. No. Jesus didn't die for us so we could diminish his gift to us. Right? He gave us everything. What do we give? Everything we've got. Jesus didn't die for us so we could diminish his gift to us. We need to see ourselves as he sees us. And that's why the mindset has to come first. That's why Paul's first prayer is that we be filled with knowledge because then when the mindset is changed we can change the way that we walk and that's that's the language that Paul uses in verse 10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and I've explained this before you'll see it a lot when Paul uses the word walk he's not talking about what you do with your feet he's talking about how you conduct yourself in this world, how, how you're seen in this world, how you make your way in this world. In fact, in, in Colossians, four little chapters, Paul uses that expression of walk five times in four chapters. It's probably important that we pay attention to that. And his picture here is, 
of walking is that of the outward expression of our faith. What does a Christian look like? What do you see in yourselves? What do we see in each other? What do our friends and neighbors see in us? What does our community see in us? So he says in verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Wednesday morning, I was in Charleston to get my car worked on. And I dropped my car off at the garage at 8.30 in the morning. It was 18 degrees and the wind was blowing. Now, I know that right now it's 12 degrees. It's gone up 2 degrees in the last few minutes. Uh, it's 12 degrees right now, but, but back on Wednesday, 18 seemed like that was pretty cold, okay? It seemed pretty cold. At 8.30 in the morning, it was 18 degrees, and the wind was blowing. I dropped my car off at the garage, and I decided that I was going to walk to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee because some of you people are so nice, and you give me Starbucks gift cards for Christmas, and and I love that. You know, I love getting coffee there, and I love going, and, and you know, it's just a nice place to relax. And so I was going to walk to Starbucks. I got a block, and I could feel my ears freezing. And I pulled out my phone, and I pulled up the Starbucks app, and I said, where is the nearest store? And it told me that the nearest Starbucks was still a half mile away. I went to Arby's. It was right across the road was Arby's. I didn't have an app for it. I didn't have a card for it, but I bought a cup of coffee. It was a, it was a lot cheaper than Starbucks coffee. And you know that? This is like 75 cents for a cup of coffee. I still think they took me for some money there, but 75 cents. I got a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It was, or at, at Arby's, it, it wasn't as good, you know, but you know what? It was warm, and, and more importantly, Arby's was warm, but what I want you to understand is I had my walk figured out, but as soon as the conditions were not conducive for my walk, I changed my mind. When, when the conditions made my walk difficult, I changed my mind. Why do you think Paul begins with the mindset here and then moves on to the walk? Because once you've got in your mind what you are going to do, the conditions may get tough. It may get difficult to do those, those things, but you're going to keep going. So, so he wants us to walk in, in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's why Paul starts with the, the mental portion. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It means walk the way that Jesus walked for us. He loved us, so you walk in love. He forgave us, so you walk in forgiveness. He was generous, so we walk in generosity. And he says, bearing fruit. In other words, what is your walk producing? Is it producing more faith in other people? Is it producing more love? Is it producing more hope? What he wants us to see is that this is ongoing. Uh, this walk is difficult at times. So, so how do we continue? Verse 11, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, there's an element of this that I don't want you to miss out on. And it's something that I think we don't always allow ourselves to see. Look at those qualities in verse 11 again. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Those are qualities that we don't just need as individuals. Those are qualities that we need together. 
with one another. The fact is, I don't have to worry about patience all that much unless I'm around other people who try my patience. And then suddenly I have to get very concerned about my patience. There are other people who, who cause me to need more patience. And, and Paul's point here is he's not just talking about individual Christians. That's something that you really need to get. Paul's not just talking about individual Christians. In fact, he very seldom is. He's almost always talking about us as a group, us as a church. That's the reason we're called a church. It means that we are called out. It means that we are a gathering. And this life is not meant to be lived on our own. It's, been, it's meant to be lived in community. And ultimately, that's where Paul points his prayer. The life that we're called to in Christ is a life that we're called to live together. And I think I know, I think I know where a lot of our frustrations come from. We reduce the Christian life to just behavior. We reduce it to, to acting like a Christian. We tell ourselves, I'm supposed to do this, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to act like this, I'm not supposed to act like that. I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to go to these places, I'm not supposed to go to those places. I'm supposed to say these words, I'm not supposed to say those words. And on top of that, I've got to try to be nice to everybody. But if it's not on the inside first, do we really understand what God has freed us from? Do we really understand who Christ has freed us to be? Look at verses 12 through 14. He says, giving thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you, and by the way, that's you all, that's uh, that's plural. He has qualified you all to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul's prayer calls us to see how our relationship to Christ expresses itself in our lives, specifically how it's lived out among other people. How is it seen in our church? How is it seen in our community? And Whether it's Colossae or Kansas, how do people view us in our community? And the very first thing that he mentions, the very first expression of faith that he mentions is giving thanks. Gratitude. And again, how often do we think of thankfulness as something we just do as individuals? I'll tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I, I, I will keep track of the things that I myself am thankful for. And I'm concerned about my thankfulness. Once a year, around November, before I eat a big meal that I shouldn't eat, I will ask other people, what are you thankful for today? What are you thankful for this year? And, and we'll talk about our friends and families and what they're thankful for. But, but listen to this expression of thankfulness in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. It's about what we share. It's about who we are together. And it's about how we strengthen each other to walk this walk, to live this life, to make these choices. We need to be willing to choose what Jesus has chosen for us. You know, if you look around, you can see what He's chosen for you. He's chosen a church. 
He's chosen a gathering. He's chosen a group of people who are called out. And of all the wrong choices that you and I could make, He has chosen us for each other. And He chooses to bring us together in His church, in in this community, in this year. He chooses us for today. And if we can see His choice here together, then we can see His choices for us as individuals. We're going to watch a video in just a moment. I want you to see exactly what He has called us to be. What he has chosen for us. Let me play the video. Our stories are a collection of moments tucked away deep inside our hearts and minds. Moments from the past. For some of us, what happened in the past can limit our present or cloud the future. We hear a voice from within, a voice that says, You are damaged goods. You are disqualified, weak. What this world sees as broken, Jesus sees as beautiful. Where culture sees defeat, Jesus sees potential. What society labels as rejected, Jesus offers redemption. The Bible tells us that Jesus uses the weak to shame the strong and the foolish to shame the wise. When we're at our weakest, that's the very place we can tap into the strength of God. It's in this new perspective that we realize our past doesn't have to define us any longer because we are the community of those who couldn't make the cut, the gathering of those not good enough. So may your grief bring about His goodness. May your pain bring out trust in His promises. The past that brought us shame can find renewal in one name, Jesus. For yourself? Did you hear that for us? We are the community of those who couldn't make the cut. We are the gathering of those who are not good enough. Some of you have been perfectly fine with letting other people tell you who you are. And you've let other people tell you you're a failure. You've let other people tell you you're worthless, that you're not good enough, that you're damaged, or even that you're stupid. And sometimes, Far too often, in fact, the person that's telling you those things is yourself. Telling yourself you're broken. You're rejected. And I wonder if you're just as willing to let God tell you who you are. That you are qualified. That you are delivered. That you are redeemed. That you are forgiven. That you are called out. Never forget that for yourself. And if we remember that for ourselves, never forget that for each other as well. Let's stand together and pray. Father, in a world that too often tells us what we aren't, fill us with the knowledge of who we are in you. 
And Father, when, when we are our own worst critics, would you please strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might so that even in the roughest days or the longest nights, we might have all that we need to endure and be patient. Never let us forget that in you we are qualified, we are delivered, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, and we are so much more. And we don't ask this just for us as individuals, but as the church you have called us to be, called us out of this world and, and into the kingdom of your Son. And Father, we don't just ask it for us, we ask it for our community. We, we want to choose for ourselves what your Son has chosen for us so that those in our community might know that you, what you have for them. Lord, help us to Help us to be reminders. Help us to be examples of, of what it truly means to, to choose the things that Christ has chosen for us. We love you. Thank you for your amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.